Um, hallelujah, let's pray, shall we? Father, you are so good to us. So generous, so kind, so loving, so merciful. Thank you for all these good words that we know about you, Father. You're just awesome. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for our worship this morning. Thank you that you are leading us into looking at your word, preparing our hearts to receive your word, preparing our hearts to receive these seeds that we're about to sow. So in accordance with scripture, we speak out understanding so these seeds are stolen. It's not stolen. <laughs> it's been a long week. Father, we, you know what I meant. We speak out understanding so these seeds are not stolen and they produce fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ali, that's going to be one of those days, I think. Uh, no, it's not. Sorry? I've had worse full password. Did I? Let's not go there. I said one other M instead of another M. Yeah, do you remember that? That was hilarious if it wasn't me. If someone else had done that, that would have been hilarious. Anyway, hallelujah. We are on lesson 21, and we're only just about finishing John 10. And I've been, I've been looking ahead. I've got John 14, 15, and 16 to do. So this series could run into not only double figures, but treble figures. I'm really looking forward to... I've, I've been starting to read already. Or the other day, I thought, I'm just going to sit down and read John 14, just in preparation for, you know. And I read, let not your heart be troubled. All right, I'll just, yeah, I need to pause there. Because I don't know how many weeks that's going to take me to get through. Um, yeah, that'll be an interesting sermon when we look at that, but uh, not today. We're at John 10. Uh, I, I look back, this is the fourth sermon on John 10, and we are going to finish it this morning. Um, Jesus has a lot to say in John 10. Very similar message throughout. We get, we'll get, we get the same things. I look back, he's saying the same things again and again. He's reinforcing his teaching. He's talking about his uniqueness, which I love. He's the only way to salvation, the only way to righteousness, the only way to healing, prosperity, acceptance, adoption. We need to be in him, through him, and with him. That's my new, my new words. In him, through him, and with him. And that's for safety health and prosperity, abundant life. We need to be in that sheepfold. And hallelujah, we're now welcome into that sheepfold. We spoke about that, what, two weeks ago. And in this passage, we see Jesus is in a discourse, a debate, an argument, whatever you want to call it, with the Pharisees and the Jews. Some get him, the majority don't. You see, for a lot of these guys, the truth was not going to get in the way of their traditions. The truth was not going to get in the way of their religion, what they always used to do. Their self-righteousness. Jesus was kind of getting in the way of that. And we read that in Romans. Jesus is the, is it Romans, the stumbling stone towards our righteousness. They weren't going to let truth get in the way of their religion, even when the truth, with a capital T, two capital T's, sorry, 
the truth was standing right in front of them. No, he's not going to get in the way of our tradition. When Jesus Christ, and it's quite sad, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who they were looking for and desperate for and searching for, was like right there, right in front of them. And because of their prejudice and their bias and their religious mindset, they just couldn't see him. Because unfortunately, he was not the Jesus they wanted. He was not the Messiah they wanted. Anyway, more of that today, because we're going, we got up to verse 33 yesterday, last week. So let's read from 33. The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, ye are gods. If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say you of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hands and went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John had first baptized, and there he abode. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true, and many believed on him there. Amen. So we covered up to 33 last week. And now we see Jesus talking to them again, answering this question. Um, you know, it's not what you do where going to stone you, kill you. It's because you blaspheme. It's like, how dare you, a man, make yourself God? And he's now answering that statement. We see Jesus again and again and again trying to get it through to them. He's not given up. Hallelujah, he didn't give up. He could have given up and said, oh, well, that's it then, and walked off at this point. And we wouldn't have seen verse 42 and many believed on him. So he perseveres. He keeps persevering. He keeps telling the religious people the truth. And that's, that's a lesson, lesson for us. And many believed on him there. Amen. So what was he saying? What did he say that got through to Sam? What was he saying that got others off the deep end and they wanted to kill him? And we spoke about that last week. When Jesus speaks the truth, there's either revolution in your life, you're turned around, or there's revolution as an anger and debate and wanting to fight. Jesus, we never see in the scriptures people saying, ah, Jesus, you know, take him or leave him. There's none of that. He, he's like a magnet. He either attracts or repels. So what was he saying? So I was reading 34 through 36, and I was like, this is a wee bit wordy. This is a wee bit King James. What's, what's it saying here? So I got out some other translations and had a look, um, and then went back to the, the King James. What he's saying is, look, you guys, it's written in your scriptures, your, your law. Um, that God says, I say you are gods. 
who were these people? They were people accepted as being anointed and appointed by God. They'd been given authority. Appointed by God. He says they're God's. And scripture, Jesus is saying, cannot be wrong on this. He's saying, so if God set these people apart, the ones that heard his message, and he called them gods, why do you not believe that for me? You're not getting uppity because of what was written in Psalms, but you're getting uppity when I say it. And God has sent me. I'm from the Father. Why are you getting upset with me saying I'm God? Especially what you've seen, what I can do. Especially when you can see what I've done. See, Jesus is providing or proving his credentials again in this passage. He's saying, you, you believed others before me and they never did the miracles that I'm doing. They never did those things. But look at, look at what I'm doing. The Father sent me and I'm doing his work. And what I have done proves where I'm from, proves whose mission I'm on, proves I'm of the Father. He's saying, you, you Pharisees, you believed the scriptures before. But these people declared as gods. And they were mortal. They were just operating in the flesh. Yet they're not believing what they see from Jesus. They're, more importantly, they're not believing what the scriptures said about Jesus. He's saying, you believe this scripture about your gods, but you're not believing the scriptures about me. The scripture said I'm coming. You know, we know that. It'll soon be December. We'll get into Micah. You know, we'll be looking at Megaladere, all that. The, the Bible, the scriptures show Jesus is coming, Isaiah, Micah, others. The scriptures say he would open eyes and ears. But they don't believe it. He's saying, I'm clearly from God. The scriptures point to me. Why don't you believe them? You've seen what I can do. One of the things that he did, Matthew 8. Verse 14 says, And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. Even the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Jesus had fulfilled scripture. Jesus had fulfilled prophecy. And he was saying, no, well, he didn't say, you believe Psalm 82 verse 6 because he didn't have the, the chapter and verses then. But he's saying, you believe that scriptures about men being called gods when they were just men. But you'll not believe the scriptures about me when you can see what I'm doing. See, Psalm 82 verse 6 is talking about men and authority, anointed and appointed by God. But they're not operating in the miraculous. 
They weren't opening blind eyes. They weren't opening deaf ears. And then Jesus says, you know, if I don't do the works, if I don't do the works of my father, believe me not. And he said, if you don't, you know, if you don't believe all these works that I'm doing, you don't have to believe in me. But I'm operating in the miraculous here. Powerful. He's saying, if I'm not healing people, don't believe in me. If I'm not raising people from the dead, don't believe in me. If I'm not feeding thousands and thousands of people with a couple of fish and a few loaves, don't believe in me. But the thing is, he's doing these things. And more. Much more. So in a reverse, he's kind of, so in a sense, he's shouting out the reverse of what's in there. He's saying, if you've seen what I've done, you need to believe. But some of them still don't get it. If I'm operating in power and authority, you ought to believe in me. If I'm delivering miracle after miracle, you ought to believe in me. They're signs. They're, they're pointing to who I am. And John talks about that later in John 20, verse 30 and 31. I may get to them eventually. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. If we had written down everything Jesus did, we'd be carrying around a book this size. Because there's sometimes when we, we see Jesus doing one thing and doing another thing, and it's like a year in between. He didn't go on holiday or on sabbatical or a retreat in those times. He would have been going about doing loads and loads of miracles. There was loads of Sabbaths in that year for him to go and do stuff and tick off the Pharisees. Masses of stuff. So, not all written in this book, but these are written. The last 20 chapters of the book of John. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Signs and wonders point to Jesus and point to who he is. The Christ, the Son of God, part of the Godhead, yet word became flesh and dwelt among us, but God. That those things written in this book point to him. These signs and wonders that he's doing right up to the end of chapter 20. That's what they're there for, to point to him, signpost to him and to his deity. And he's saying, you know, don't believe in God if you don't believe the miracles. But he is saying, well, but you know what, guys? If I'm doing all these things, I am. See, Jesus was, Keith, Jesus was for Keith. If I'm doing all these things, you've got to believe in me. That I'm the only way to the Father. That believing you might have life through his name, and not just any old life, abundantly. The only way to the Father, the only way to salvation, the only way to righteousness is him. Signs and wonders to help you to help you believe and be saved. That's what these verses are saying. That's what he's saying in um, John 10, 34 through to 38. If you've seen these signs, you ought to believe because these signs prove who I am. 
And that's what he says in verse 38. If I do, though you believe on me, believe the works. Believe the works. And then once you see the works that the Father has in him, I'm doing the works. Father, he extends again by saying he's God. Goodness, the Father is in me, and what does means they're one? That means they're the same. Again, he's shouting out, "Hey, Pharisees, here I go again. I'm God. What do you want to do with that?" Time and time again, he does it. Him and me and me and him, the one, the same. I am God, he was saying, yet again. And some people still say he never claimed to be God. I mean, you read all the other things, but just read John 10. Again and again and again. I mean, I've kind of lost count how many times I've said that in this 20, these 20 sermons, Jesus saying I'm God. Study the Gospel of John, you can't come to any other conclusion than Jesus said he was God, believed he was God. Of course, Jesus. And see, here's the other things that I don't get with these theologians. They've obviously not read what Jesus said and then looked what the Jews did. Because you see, the Jews knew the scriptures. The Jews knew exactly what Jesus was saying. They just didn't like it. They didn't want this Jesus to be God, to be Messiah, to be the Christ. They wanted some conquering mighty king to come in and smash the Romans and lead, lead the people. But the Jews, who knew more about what Jesus was saying, knew more about the scriptures than any of these liberal theologians today, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying. That's why they wanted to kill him. It is but they wanted to kill him. And that proves to me that Jesus was saying he was God. The Jews weren't going to kill him for anything. They're saying you're blaspheming. It's this there. But for blasphemy, declaring yourself as God. Oh, it's just... <laughs> Never mind. Of course he was saying, and they wanted to kill him, verse 39. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hands. Jesus knew what they wanted to do. But remember what he said in John 10, 18? No man taketh my life from me. So he's not let the Jews kill him. At this point, still got much to do. So he leaves. I will lay it down, he says. So he leaves. <clears throat> and Jesus went back to where John the Baptist had started his ministry around the River Jordan. It says, and he went away again beyond Jordan to the place where John at first baptized and there abode. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all the things that John spoke this man were true. I was wondering why he went back there. Why did he go back to that place where John the Baptist was and where John the Baptist, sorry, back to where John the Baptist had started? I think it was to remind the people, especially the Jews, of what John had said. Okay, you're just not getting it, guys. Let's revisit. Let's go back to this place where John the Baptist was and just see what John the Baptist had said. And 
just see that I'm fulfilling his prophecies. See, John's mission was to prepare the way for the way. John's mission was to shine a light on the light. To baptize Jesus, to bring the baptism of salvation. John's mission was in a sense like the law. Showing people their sin, preparing the way for Jesus, showing them they're not worthy. That they needed a way to deal with that salvation. John was like the schoolmaster. Showing people the way that needed a saviour. And Jesus was the saviour. And what John said, Jesus did. And it says, and many came there. says they resorted to him. That means they came, was with him, alongside him, accompanied him. But interestingly, the next verse, it says, and many believed in him there. Many came alongside, and then many believed. What does that say? Yeah, not everyone that came alongside believed. Now, I'm, I'm just starting to think through that. I've, I've not got any more on that in this sermon, but that's something to think about. There's quite a lot of people that would come alongside Jesus and then see him, experience him and encounter him, and then for whatever reason, not believe. Now, you could say, well, I don't get that. But then I'd heard about Jesus for a long time before I got it. So, anyway, so many believed because of what they heard Jesus say and also because of what they saw him do, his words and his miracles. And I was thinking about this before communion yesterday, yesterday morning. And how, how some people say, oh, it must have been great. It must have been great to live back then. It must have been great to be one of the disciples. You know, it must have been awesome to be there when Jesus was on the earth. That must have been fantastic. But then I remembered what John said to Thomas in John 20, verse 29, just before this verse was spoke of. Or 28, and Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord, my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas, you believe me because of what you saw. And this is actually what Jesus is saying in John 10. I want you to believe in me because of what you're seeing. But that was for a time and a place. That was old covenant. And Jesus was saying that. That was what was required then. They needed to see Jesus. But we don't have that now. Oh, we like a pantomime. We don't have that now. We have something so much better. <laughs> yeah, we'll practice. We'll practice that. We'll practice that for when we do it next week. Yeah. We, we don't have that now. We do not have Jesus in the flesh. But Jesus is saying, he's saying to us as well as Thomas, you're way more blessed because you've not seen me in the flesh. Way more blessed. And Thomas, you could look, touch, see, walk about the face. Are you real? Is it really you? Thomas could do that. Touch and feel. Why are we more blessed? You know, because we believe even though we've not seen those miracles. I'll tell you why we're more blessed. 
because we have the word, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling dwelling within us, and we have the local church. We have the saints around us. We are blessed. Oh, here he goes again. We are blessed because we're on this side of the cross. And we're blessed because we've seen his finished work. Knowing that everyone's been reconciled and forgiven. Knowing that righteousness and salvation is available there for us through faith. Knowing that we have safety in that sheepfold. In him, through him, and with him. Knowing all that, we're so much blessed. I said this in communion yesterday. I said to the guys, I said, this doesn't sound very good, but just hear me out. You'll hear the heart behind what I'm saying. The the reason why I'm saying it. But all the disciples had was Jesus in the flesh. That was all they had. They might think, well, that's fantastic. It probably was. But that was all they had. Yes, okay, it would have been amazing. The word became flesh, dwelling among them. The creator walking with them, eating, laughing with them. But he was just one man, eh? It was just one man. He could only be in one place at, the same, at, you know, at one time. He couldn't be in multiple places at the same time, unless you watch the film Joshua, which, which was awful. But never mind, let's not go there. Um, he couldn't be in multiple places at the same time. He was a man. He had to sleep. He got tired. You know, I'm starting to think of the disciples, it was like, You know, he chose to sleep at the most ridiculous times. We're sinking here. We're all going to die. Where's Jesus? Forty winks in the back of the boat. I mean, that's frustrating. You know, all they had was Jesus in the flesh. That side of the cross. But just think about what we have. This side of the cross We're temples of the Holy Spirit. We have Almighty God in the form of the Holy Spirit in us all the time. You could say, because they are one and the same, we have Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit with us, every single one of us, all the time, everywhere we go. Is that not so much better than pre-cross? Oh, where's Jesus? Where, where is he today? Oh, I think he went up into some mountain somewhere. Either that or he's asleep. Now, you know, sounds a bit flippant. But that's the truth. Pre-cross, one man, although he was God. Now, what do we have? As born-again saints? Got him in us all the time it says you'll never leave us nor forsake us, it says in Hebrews 13.5. Now that is so much better. That's why we're so blessed. In us all the time, encouraging us, coaching us, reminding us of our righteousness. So blessed with healing, prosperity, acceptance, adoption. We're now in that sheepfold. Jesus said there was going to be a time when I'm going to be shepherds for others. We're in that time now. That's why we're blessed. Because we're in that sheepfold with everyone else. Just one one mankind. One grouping. No more Jews and Gentiles. Male, female. Bond and free. I knew it. I was just getting there. Now, now just one in the same sheepfold. That's way more blessed than being Jews and Gentiles. Pre-cross. Way more blessed. 
And, and we have the complete word of God. We have the, the revelation. You know, when the disciples were sitting struggling with things, they couldn't say, well, well what does it say in Ephesians? They couldn't say that. No, been written yet. I couldn't sit around and have debates about whether Paul and James were contradicted each other. No, they weren't. But that's another sermon. But they didn't have, and they didn't have other, or didn't have any spirit-filled Christians around them for encouragement and edification and exhortation. No, we are so blessed, as Jesus said uh, to Thomas, you're more blessed because you didn't see, yet you believe. He could have written, you're more blessed because you're going to have the indwelling Holy Spirit, you're going to have the Word of God, and you're going to have the local church. So blessed. Hallelujah. Just think about that. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have all those things. Of course, we are blessed. In communion yesterday, again, I was talking about how blessed we are. And how we need to remember that fact. We're so blessed, we need to remember that. So I'm going to finish, not in John, but I'm going to finish in Psalm 103. Which reminds us that we need to remember. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. Amen. We are blessed with healing. We are blessed with abundance. We are blessed with unconditional forgiveness. We are blessed with the safety of the sheepfold, with the good shepherd. And my favorite one, which I need to keep reminding me about, I need to keep speaking out. We are blessed with youth and energy. Hallelujah. So next time you're bending up and you're going, as you get up and as you go down. No, no, I am blessed with youth and energy. Hallelujah. Yes, many believed by seeing his miracles. But that was then. Jesus said, believe on me because of what you see. But he's saying something different to us today. He's saying, you are blessed because you did not see. You believed because you did not see. Amen.